Welcome to the Fuqua Show for the stories, the lessons, and the passions of Team Fuqua. I'm your host, Thomas Chang, and today's guest is Tati Dasso. Welcome to the show, Tati. Hi, Thomas. Thank you for having me. Hola a todos. So Tati, a brief intro for folks. Tati Dasso is a second-year MBA student in Fuqua's class of 2023. She comes from Peru, and her background is in the financial sector. She started as a fixed income trader and buy-side analyst, and then became the CFO at a food and beverage startup in Peru. Tati came to Fuqua to continue developing her leadership skills and has pursued investment banking, specifically in mergers and acquisitions in the U.S. Her long-term goal is to develop financial technology to reduce gaps in Latin America. What else, Tati? What else do folks at Fuqua not know about you? Probably that I have eight siblings, who are a lot. I think that only my closest friends really know that. And another random thing, or one of that 25 random things that I have in my essay, is that I really love to collect stationery to write physical cards for my friends. So already my closest friend here at Fuqua, they, they have uh, some physical card from me. Oh, I love that. But the eight siblings, so you're one of nine. I am one of nine. Yes. Which one are you? I am the number six. Number six. How many yes. brothers? How many sisters? There are six uh, women and three, three guys, three, three men. And what was that like for you growing up in Peru with such a big family? It was a little crazy. Probably as a child, you don't like that because you have to share and to be patient and to learn a lot of things. But now I am really, really grateful uh, about my siblings. I think that is the best thing that my parents could give me. What's something you had to do differently in such a big family? Mm, you have to learn when you are a child to like share everything. Like There is no way that your parents can give you everything or all the things that you want. So also you have to learn. I remember when my mom told me when I was like wanting something that I couldn't have, she told me you have to be grateful for the things that you have. There are so many kids that they don't have a roof. They don't have health or something. Uh, so since then, also I learned like to really appreciate the things that I have uh, and to share with others. Well, tell us more about your upbringing in Peru. Did you grow up in Lima? I grew up in Lima. Lima is the capital of Peru. I grew my whole life uh, there. This is my first time living in the U.S. And it was a great experience. It was uh, crazy, as I mentioned, but like really fun with my siblings. Uh, and now they are like friends that I have in Peru, in Italy, around the world. So it's it's really nice. And did you start your interest in finance back there in Peru when you were young, or was that a little bit later in life? I think that when I had to decide about my career, I really wanted to use the skills that I have. So I was thinking something in with numbers, for sure. I really like physics and other classes. So I I decided, okay, like I want to study something that it's with numbers that is not like that is open that I can move if I want. So I choose economics because in economics you have like public policy, but at the same time finance uh, and other sectors that you can enter. So I started studying economics. I really like it. I did some internships. I tried public policy with the government of my country, but in the end I realized that I I really wanted to help, but I really like finance. So I decided to go by that path. And so this was your undergrad university yes, studying yes. economics? Yes, in Peru, in okay. Peru. Okay, well, it sounds like it was quite a, a lively and interesting and, and fun childhood. But I know that there's been some hard times as well. Yes, 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 for sure. When I was 21 years old, all I lost my mom in 
the date is also a little crazy. It was 24th of December uh, around Christmas. And three months after my mom passed away, my dad passed away also. So it was at that moment, I think that I was in shock. I couldn't believe that my mom died in December and my, my dad in March. But in the end, I think that with the help of my siblings, and that's the reason I, I'm telling you that sounds like having a lot of siblings. Oh, it's a lot. But something that my mom told me one time that I asked, why you 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 have so many kids? She told me, because the day that I am not going to be here, I want that you have at least your siblings. And I think that she never th- thinking, okay, like I am going to die relative in a, in a young age. But I think that everything happens for a reason, and that's the reason I I have my siblings. Wow. How did you, at that age, you were 21, you said, how did you even navigate that grief and that loss? It was hard, but I think that the first, because I have my youngest sister, she, at that moment, she had 13 years old, and also I have other two, two brothers. So the first thing that we did was to organize with my siblings, because we didn't want that my siblings stop studying or to go to a school or university or whatever. Like we wanted that the things continue in the same uh, path. So my sister, the, she, the, the sister I studied here also at, at Fuqua, she created an Excel and started to organize. And something that we learned when, when my mom uh, was alive it was to share. So we didn't have any, I was just doing an internship, but I put some money, my sisters put money. And in the end, we, with this, uh, really tried to support my uh, my brothers. So it was hard for sure. Uh, but I h- think that having my siblings, my friends, and also at that moment, my boyfriend that is now my husband, it was really, really helpful. And in the end, what I, what I t- was trying to do with that, and also with everything that happened in my life, is to try to to use these uh, things that happen in your life and convert this into a strange. And now what I am trying to do in every day is to, to think, okay, I want to make proud my dad, my, my mom and my dad. So I try, of course, if I talk a lot about them, I can be a little sad, but I think that I have, I try to put this into a strange and, and to continue growing. So it sounds like, not treating the grieving process as a, a solitary thing, but really working with your family, yes. working with your friends, yes. your boyfriend to get through it and to to come out stronger on the other side. Yes. It's always going to be like a difficult time. Like it's not easy, but if you have like people that is there for you and if you try to continue like living your life, you don't have to stop. In the end, you're going to see the light and see that everything happened for a reason. No matter if you don't understand that at that moment and if you're mad, but in the end, you have to continue because you are here for a reason, like in this world. So how you can help others, how you can use that uh, that thing that happened to you and transform that. What were they like, your mom and dad? Oh, my mom, she she was incredible. She is incredible. Having like nine kids, imagine like trying to <laughs> to have and and make that these kids grow and don't fight and school and everything. So I think that part of who I am really reflects like who my mom was. And she was a very generous person. And yes, I, I am very proud of my mom and, and also my dad. About your dad? He was really like hardworking, but he was also, I, I remember when 
when I had like a bad grade, my the person that I told my grade was my dad, not my mom, because my mom was always like more strict. My dad was, okay, don't worry. Well, you're at university, you're studying economics, you're going through these hardships and trying to keep the family together. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, you move into the workforce and start really working in mm -hmm. finance in Peru. Mm -hmm. What was hardest for you? I don't think that it was hard to me. I think that I have to be grateful because I had a lot of opportunities. I started, as you mentioned, in credit card capital and as a trader in the fixed income. But I was there like an, a year at most because quickly I realized that I really liked like the trading things, but I wanted to go deeper in the analytical part. So I wanted to go to, to the valuation of company and to go deeper in that. Uh, so quickly I moved to another area inside that, the same company and it was great. I think that there I learned a lot, but always I had in my mind that I, I wanted to do an MBA. I think that probably because I have my sister and I knew that like that was the path that I wanted to follow, especially to live at least sometime outside of Peru, no? to learn about other cultures, other uh, ways to do the things. So that's the reason I decided to, to do my MBA. So you're working in finance. I know that you spent some time doing the trading. You were CFO for a, a startup. Uh -huh. And I'm curious about some of the side projects that you did too uh -huh. of using finance to try to help huh. the underserved members of the community. Mm -hmm. Yes. Something that I, I really, really like is to teach. I started with my friends. Yes. When we ha have like um, an exam or something, I remember like my friends asking me, oh, can you explain me these things or these other so I always try to be there to explain whatever they need. So also there I was teaching assistant of some classes. So I, I knew and I know that I really like to explain things to others. And for this project that we did, that is Creando Negocio or Creating Business in English. It's called Creating Business. Uh, creando Negocio in Spanish, but Creating Business. Okay. Uh, so the way that we decided to do this is because... A group of friends and I, we decided, okay, we have some skills, the things that we already know, like finance, marketing, or other things, how we can help this group of low-income women that they have the skills of cooking and amazing food, but probably they can grow their business if they have more of this knowledge of how, how to organize numbers and other things. Also because, as you mentioned, I moved from a big company that is Great Core Capital, that is part of BCP, the biggest bank in Peru to a small startup. So I knew that it, it is difficult to start like to organize numbers. In, in this startup, I had to create like financial statement from zero before starting projecting things. So normally in Peru, because there is a lot of inform, like informal things, they don't necessarily have all like the financial statement or the numbers organized. And especially low income, a group of low income women. So we decided to teach them how to use Excel, how to uh, organize simple things like oh, what is the revenue, what is the cost, and then how you can like if you are together, how you can ne negotiate with suppliers to have like at least better uh, better prices. Uh, so that was the way that we tried to to help like this woman to that for in the end they 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 could try to organize their business. Who were these women? They were like at that moment I was living in Barranco. That is like. County in Lima, Peru. Uh, so normally on Saturdays or Sunday, this woman they did like a small. They put like tables in the street to sell like their food. 
So they live around our communities. So that's the reason we decided to help them. And also because JJ, he's my husband, uh, he really liked the food, especially of this one of these women. So so we decided why if they have a great product, we know that it's a great product, why we 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 can help these uh, women to improve their Oh, okay. So it sounds like a lot of these women are working in the informal economy. Yes, 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 yes. Mm. Selling their food. Like they already have their product and the skills to do it, but they don't necessarily know how in a, in a formal thing or how to organize the numbers or how like buy uh, to the suppliers in a more organized way. So that's what we did. I see. Them. Now, I imagine you taught them a lot, but what did you learn from them? What did you learn from the women? Yes, you learn a lot, I think, when you you are doing these things because you learn from their stories, you learn from their experience, and also you you value more the life and the things. So, so probably I will say that. And of course, I practice a lot this thing that in Fuqua, or especially for banking, they, they told us about how you and explain like difficult things into an easy way because in the end you have to explain to them like a financial term like how do you explain how works the revenues or costs like sounds really easy but it's not necessarily easy for everyone so you have to learn how to relate i don't know to things of that they see every day to their homes like oh normally you have to pay water or like electricity and you have imagine that you rent your your home you can receive an income so you have to find ways to relate to them so they can uh, understand. What surprised you most about this experience? Uh, I think it was a, a great experience. Uh, and what surprised me a lot was like that at first I was thinking that it would be difficult to, to ask for other friends, other people to help me. But in the end, I realized that there is a lot of people that want to help and also to share their skills. Yeah, I think about that too, right? Is there's this stereotype that people are only thinking about themselves mm -hmm. and their own career or their own life. But it sounds like a lot of you all came together to work yes, on this project. Yes, yes. Sometimes you just have to ask, mm -hmm. uh, probably. And and there's people that not necessarily they have the idea, but they want to contribute and to help. Right, because a lot of times people don't even realize they have something to uh -huh. contribute. Uh-huh, exactly. Yes. I love that. Yes. I love that. Well, you're here at Fuqua. You came to Fuqua after your, your time in Peru and decided to pursue investment banking and not mm -hmm. just any investment banking, but mergers and acquisitions, <laughs> which I have heard as a non-IB person can be quite difficult to, to get into. But what was it like for you adjusting to the US and not just the US, but the, the recruiting and the mm -hmm. networking and, and all of those things that come with trying to get into mm -hmm. your career field? It's hard for sure. Because first, international, we are doing all in a second language. And if it's your first time living here in the U.S. and all starts so quick, you have to adapt really quick. And the second thing will be that the recruiting is different. Like in Peru, I don't know, Lima is like a, a small city. Everyone knows uh, everyone. So like, oh, if someone is going to interview, probably you're going to have one or two interviews, like not too much or a case or something, but not like a big long process with like hundreds of coffee chat here i think that banking and consulting probably other industries too but from my experience um you have to do like a lot of coffee chat and it was hard at first i remember that i was very very scared i was thinking oh i am 
I can't do this. Like, I am not going to make it. How they like, at first, just speaking in English. Second, I knew that I know like finance concepts. So that was something helpful for me. But I was thinking that they want to have like other conversation about basketball, football, things that I don't have idea here in the US. So it was hard, but at first, when I fail, of course, during the process, that is normal. I remember having classes and at the same time running to a team room to have a, a call, like a coffee chat. And sometimes, at first it was just practice. And some places cut me for that, of course, because I remember that I was really with a lot of stress going out of a class. And then when the person asked me, oh, how are you? How is going your day? I just answer, oh, I have all of these things to do, blah, blah, blah. And I think that the conversation continued normal, but I think that in the end, the person decided, okay, like if she's telling me this, uh, probably in, in, in the work is going to be hard, more hard. Uh, but then I analyze like the situation and I try to improve. So I think that it could be difficult, but everything you can practice and, and learn and grow the the beauty of this process is that like you're going to grow so quick of the like in this process that in the end you can be successful i was successful and i was like really happy but also i have to mention that i had a lot of great people like in my journey that they helped me well you talked about growing a lot in the process what's been your biggest area of growth over these past two years probably to feel comfortable speaking out because when you live in other countries you can read you can listen but you normally are not in the street speaking in english <laughs> that is not like that common so here i think that you need to speak like during the recruiting in your classes in presentation with your friends on this podcast <laughs> yes i can't believe that i am here <laughs> well you're doing great you're doing great amazing well tati i want to ask you just some things that have piqued my curiosity over this conversation mm -hmm. so which of your accomplishments are you most proud of? Mm, probably, I am, of course, I am proud of myself, eh, but I am more proud of helping others and the impact that this can have in, in them. My little sister, she is graduating this year. So I am really proud that despite like the difficulties that we, we had in our life, she continued she didn't give up and, and now she's really happy in like working for Kimberly Clark. She likes like marketing and communication. I know that is her achievement, but I am really proud to be part of that. And it's easy again to look at your resume and see nothing but success stories. What was your biggest failure? Yes, I think that I fail a lot, like everyone can can fail. But one of them my biggest failures probably is a personal, it's, it's a little sad story that it was when my mom died from cancer on December. I was really sad uh, and mad. My parents were not together at that moment. So I was, I know that it was not fault of my dad, what happened with my mom, but I was sad because, and mad because I was feeling that my dad didn't support us uh, enough. So my dad at that moment, because it was Christmas and everything, he started writing to us emails asking for to go out, to go for an ice cream or other things. And I, I didn't reply. Some of my siblings, they, they replied, but in my case, I didn't. And the crazy thing was that three months later, 
he died uh, from a heart attack. So it was something like from one day to another. And I remember at that time I was in the beach with my boyfriend and my husband. And it took like one hour and a half, two hours go go from, from where I was to where my dad was. And I remember crying all that, that time, not only because of my dad, but also like asking me why, why I didn't reply, why I was with all of that feelings. So what I learned from that, of course, from, from my mom and my dad, it was that it's okay to feel bad for something, to be sad or mad in your job, in your personal life with a friend. But in the end, you have to feel that feeling, but then let it go and continue with your life. Don't stop to talk to someone just because you are mad. It's better if you speak of that with a person. Or if you don't want to speak, it's okay, but don't save that feelings. It's not that like the correct thing. And you're not going, like, imagine that that person is not here next week. What would you do in that case? And that's something that I learned and that I try to apply now in, in my life. Well, thank you so much for sharing. No, no, thank you. Yeah, that's that's a really important lesson to remember is to value and cherish the relationships that we have because yes. we don't know how much longer. Yes, we'll life have them. is short. Yes, yes. Thanks, Tati. And what's next for you? And what's your hope for the longer term? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to stay in the US. I don't know if my whole life at some time. But I I want to, to continue helping Peru and other Latin America countries, or or it could be others, but especially in education and also financial inclusion. I think that there is a lot that we can do from our jobs or like just putting some of our time. So I will focus on that in the long term. Oh, I love that. Love that. Tati, last questions for you is your eight siblings. Would you mind sharing their names? Yes, of course. I'll say in order. Okay. Uh, so it's Vanessa, Adelina, Margarita, Rosa Maria, Guillermo, uh, myself, then Ignacio, Álvaro, and Maria Grazia. Do you have any messages for them? I am very proud of them and that I love them. And then how about, do you have any messages for mom and dad? That I hope that they are proud of me. I know that they are. No question about that. Thank you, Thomas. Well, thank you, Tati. It's been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing everything about your family, about your career, about your your interests and passion for service and helping others. I can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I hope that you enjoyed this conversation.